0: What's up Pels fans? Welcome back to another episode of the Pelican Debrief podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here. My name is Preston Ellis and in case you didn't know, Pelican Debrief is part of the grander fan-sided sports network, the ultimate home for fans. High five to those guys. Now we've had a busy week, you guys, with a bunch of fun guests, including Saints Nations, Andrew Juge, Space City Scoops, Kelly Eco, and today, to prepare for our triple header with our dreaded foe, the Denver Nuggets, we are bringing on Nuggets expert, Matthew Huff. But before we get to Matt, let's take a quick second to discuss last night's loss to the Rockets. It's a great interview, so I want to keep this quick. It was 117-107, to a heartbreaker that's likely going to end our season as the uh, Denver Nuggets pulled off an incredible upset against the Cavaliers. Uh, our guys played well. They were, um, out rebounded by 23 and some difficult to swallow free throw attempts that James Harden got nine of them on three, three point attempts where he just sort of, you know, a defender put up their arms and he just leaned his way into him and threw the ball up. And it worked every time he got the whistle, two of those against each Moore, So that accounted for nine of his 38 points. Um, it was closed throughout the majority of the game, close to two points uh, with two minutes left. Uh, Boogie had a three-pointer at the end of a 7-0 run that brought our boys close, but we looked on helplessly as the Rockets, and MVP candidate and, and all likelihood winner, James Harden, pulled away. Uh, the Pelicans had won three straight and five in a row at home before losing this one. Like I said, the difference was rebounding. The Rockets had 15. It's really inexplicable as to why they beat us 59-36 to on the boards, and we gave up 68 points in the second half. Um, AD and DeMarcus combined for 62 points, 22 rebounds. They both played well, but now the Pelicans fall five games back, and in all likelihood, even should we win all three against the Nuggets, And our our bout with the Trailblazers, you'd have to think uh, with matchups against the Jazz upcoming that this is going to be a difficult task to say the least. Um, Frazier and Cunningham, scoreless in a combined 49 minutes, not a lot of help from those guys. Drew played very well, 18 points, 9 assists on 7 of 12 shooting, 4 of 8 from 3, so that'll spike those numbers that uh, have been diminishing since the boogie trade. AD 33 and 16. And I just wanted to mention his third quarter. If you guys have league pass, it's really beautiful. His fundamentals, his mid-range jumper was falling. It was really incredible. Swish every time. Uh, you can just really see him putting it all together. If you wondered if this guy was getting better, rest assured he is. DeMarcus had 30 and six, Jordan Crawford, Michael Jordan Crawford, another double digit performance off the bench with 12 points. That's Eight times in nine games. And James Harden, his usual spectacular self, 38, 17, and 7, including those fouls that I mentioned, which were so frustrating. (laughs) And uh, those made up nine of the 38. Ryan Anderson also drew a lot of ire for... uh, some of his flopping, shall we say, some of his very poor sportsmanship. Um, He was quoted as saying on his physical defense against Cousin, he said he's such an elite player, but when he gets frustrated, that's when he's at his worst. So it's part of the game plan to get DeMarcus frustrated. And the moment he realizes that... He'll be that much better of a player. Now, if you watch the game, it, a, a lot of uh, our Pelicans reporters who were big fans of Ryan Anderson, we had him for a good bit in New Orleans and played well for us, tried. He did have some injury uh, woes, and especially the—we won't even talk about that. It's too uh, traumatic, but he had some difficulties, shall we say, in New Orleans. So we were sad to see him go, but after watching— you know, this performance against DeMarcus where he was feigning that he had been hit in the face repeatedly. He doubled over in pain, holding his stomach. And after watching the replay, you could see DeMarcus clearly hadn't touched him. You could see how frustrated DeMarcus was getting, but he kept it in check. He went back to the bench. Anthony Davis gave him a nice uh, bro hug, and he collected himself. But you could really see Ryan Anderson trying to get into his head more emotionally than, than physically. He wasn't playing a lot of ball. He was doing a lot more acting. But The Rockets shouldn't have had a lot to play for. They were up five and a half games over the uh, fourth seed, the Utah Jazz, and they were five and a half behind the Spurs. But uh, they must have had a bad taste in their mouth from their their butt-whooping 128 to 112 against the Pels a week ago when Solomon Hill had his, who would have thought, best game of his career. They came out to play, and the Pels now look to salvage a season five games back with 10 to play uh, by sweeping the Nuggets. And that prompts me to introduce our guest for the day, Nug Loves Matthew Huff. You guys, it's time to speak with the enemy. And now we bring Matthew Huff onto the line. What's up, Matthew? Not much. Thanks for having me. Of course. Thank you so much for taking the time. Now, you guys, Matthew, is the site expert of Nug Love. This is fan site. It's Ode to the Denver Nuggets. And you can follow them on Twitter at Nug underscore Love. And you can follow Matt or Matthew at Huff underscore Melo 7 That's Huff underscore mellow 7 Did I get all that right? Yes, you did. Nice. Okay, let's get rolling. Matt, 10 games left, three against the
1: Pels, one and a half
0: lead over Portland,
1: how nervous are you right now? Uh, to be honest, I am pretty nervous. Um, Portland's actually playing great basketball right now. You know, Denver is still a little too inconsistent for my taste. You know, we saw them knock off the defending champs a couple nights ago, but yet they still have a tendency, you know, to do that. But then they'll lay a game against, you know, lay an egg, you know, against the team like, you know, the Brooklyn Nets or Philadelphia 76ers. So. That kind of scares me going into this last stretch of the schedule. But, you know, I'm as a true Nugget fan, I'm going to keep the faith and hope, you know, believe that we can still make the postseason.
0: I got to be honest with you. Uh, I watched your matchup with the Rockets. And that one was much closer than I thought it was going to be. I was feeling really safe that night. And then against the Cavaliers, right. I didn't even watch the Cavaliers game. I just chalked that up as a loss for you guys. And I figured it's yep. okay if we lose to the Rockets because they're obviously going to lose to LeBron, who really needs this game. I think they're only up on the Celtics by a game. And the fact that you guys won and won in such convincing fashion, not only like it was beyond annoy- or, or it got past the point of being annoying and got to a point of, holy crap, are these guys just really good? Um yeah. so, so that definitely uh settled in me. Let's okay. We'll we'll go through the calendar on that later. I've got a full uh schedule breakdown of who Portland's got left, who the Nuggets have got left. But first, let's talk Jokic. He's your franchise co- cornerstone. You guys pretty much like dis- discovered like maybe an all-star caliber player last year. Now, yeah. I mean, what do you think? Top 5, top 10 player?
1: Uh, top 10, you know, I won't go as far to say top five quite yet, but definitely the potential to become a top five player in the near future.
0: Definitely monster rebound. He passes better than almost any big man in the game right now. Um, you've got a team, option. correct me if I'm wrong. I think you've got a team option on him for next season and then he's unrestricted. Is that right?
1: Yes, I believe you're correct.
0: Okay. So what are you guys going to do? How are you going to keep him around? When is he eligible for an extension?
1: Um, Well, his rookie contract is going to be expiring here pretty soon. So if Tim Conley, our GM, is smart, you know, and he's done a great job of rebuilding this franchise since he took over for Messiah Ujiri, he's smart. You know, the smartest move he could probably do is re-sign Jokic to a massive contract, you know, kind of keep him around as our, you know, franchise player, you know, and that as a result, it would kind of, you know, resemble, you know, credit to, you know, one of my writers, Mike Wilson, you know, for putting this in one of his articles, but, you know, to paraphrase what he said, you know, it would kind of resemble a changing of the guard in Denver, you know, ever since, you know, Carmelo left us, you know, what was like, you know, seven or eight years ago. So, you know, we got, you know, I think, I think we got plenty of cap space here coming up. So if we don't, you know, land a big name free agent in free you know, this summer, it would not surprise me at all to see, you know, kind of maybe, us use that on Jokic and giving him a massive contract to keep him around.
0: Yeah. Just do it now and get it out of the way. Since, since we're already on that topic of the choices and the free agents you guys might be uh, bringing in. um, I did a little spot, spot rack research and uh, it said that 77 million is already dedicated to your cap next season. Now, part of that is um, player options and stuff that hasn't come to fruition yet, but you do have to start thinking about players like Wilson Chandler, who's got a year left, Gallo, I believe, is unrestricted this year, Daryl oh, Arthur's got one year left, and then you just traded for Mason Plumley right before mm-hmm. he became a restricted free agent. And big men aren't getting paid as much as they were two years ago, but still you have to think this guy's gonna be getting at least eight to ten million a year, if not more. What, what do you guys think? Do you think, first of all, that you guys re Gallo, or do you think he tests the waters and, and goes elsewhere?
1: You know, he has been very loyal to us ever since the mellow trade, and he has made it clear he loves the mile high. However, in the NBA, from what I've noticed, money definitely talks. So I firmly believe he's actually going to test the waters this summer. You know, even if it's, you know, he tests it and then comes back to Denver just to see what kind of the market is on him. But, you know, I'm a big proponent, even though it probably won't happen, you know, if he does walk of us maybe pursuing, you know, Gordon Hayward from Utah or something. Yeah. But, yeah, Gallo's future is very cloudy right now. Yeah,
0: I would think Hayward would, would drop first. But then do you think Gallo would get something to the tune of Ryan Anderson's four-year $80 million contract? Or do you think Ryan Anderson maybe just got that because of the, the massive cap spike that happened last year? Or do you think maybe he gets more?
1: Um, I think Anderson is kind of the exception. You know, I think Gallo gets a little bit less than that, but it will not surprise me if he goes to a contender who needs a solid, you know, stretch three, you know, like the Clippers or the Celtics are kind of like, you know, that small forward away from making that next step. Yeah. It's
0: difficult to gauge uh, the the free agent uh, market situation right now because my mind was so attuned to the system that we had just two years ago where somebody like Gala would get somewhere between 10 and 15 million a year. then we yeah. had that massive cap spike and everybody was getting massive uh, uh, what's it called uh, massive max Contract. max deals and yeah. now we've taken a step back. Because everybody gave all their money out last year and now everybody's saying, Oh, we don't have a billion dollars. We we have more money, mm-hmm. but we still have to keep this in perspective. Plus we can pay our max players more. So that makes up for what we were going to offer all of these players anyway. So Gallo's gonna
1: get a lot of money,
0: maybe from Denver. You do want him back,
1: yes? Um, I'd go i I'd say yeah. You know, he does, you know, have his injury issues and, you know, some he does kind of drive some fans insane sometimes with his shot selection. But, you know, I am a big fan of his because, you know, he provides that second source of scoring for us whenever, you know, Jokic might be struggling and we need that go to scorer to go to, you know, in a tight game. And, you know, we, you know, Gary Harris is kind of developing into that player, but, you know, Gallinari has kind of, you know, been there, done that. So I think he still has a role on this team. Gotcha.
0: And Wilson Chandler has a year left. If he gets traded, I would assume that would probably be at the deadline of next year, not in the offseason, right? Right. Okay, cool. Let's get down to the game. All right, and we can cover some more of this stuff as we go forward, but you've got our boys uh, tonight. This is going to be dropping on a Sunday. It's Saturday here, everyone, as we're recording this. You guys are at home. The last time they played was the first game of this season. AD put yeah. up 15-15 and a loss, 107-102. to However, uh, I was just mentioning to you, things look very different now. Nurkic was your leading scorer. He is since gone now. He's in Portland. Five Pelicans who played 10 minutes or more are no longer with the team, including the immortal Lance Stevenson. There was no holiday. (laughs) Obviously, there was no boogie. Um, The Pels have been really hot lately. We've won five of our last seven before our loss, uh, which was very exciting to the Rockets last night. Uh, It was down to the wire with two minutes left. We were only down by two, and then Mm -hmm. Harden did what Harden does. Uh, But before that point, we had won three in a row, five in a row at home. You guys have been playing really well lately, going toe-to-toe with the Rockets. You beat the defending champs. You beat the Pacers. Uh, Talk about these two teams both playing well. What are you expecting from tomorrow night's matchup?
1: I'm expecting a very high scoring affair, you know, like you said, these are two very electric teams right now. And, you know, I'm not too sure what your guys' playoff hopes look like right now, but I know for a fact, you know, Denver is still trying to hold on to that final playoff spot. So, you know, definitely going to be a lot of desperation in the, in the air. And I, uh, yeah, you know, I would not surprise me if we see, you know, maybe two, like two players from both of our teams put up 30 or more.
0: I have got to tell you, just from what you just said, I can tell you don't know what the buzz is in New Orleans right now. Uh, and I'm glad that <laughs> I get to, to let you know. We are obsessed with the Denver Nuggets. We have been talking about nothing but the Denver Nuggets for probably the last four to six weeks because we're so far behind. And the only life support that we have to cling to is our upcoming triple header with you guys. Like our whole season. <laughs> is- on these three games that we're playing against you guys, we also have one game left against the Blazers. And now that we lost that game right. to the Rockets, we're, we're back to five games behind you guys with only 10 of our games left. So after that game, we're pretty much out of it. Plus, we've got a... Another game against the Jazz. Rudy Gobert always kills us, uh, so it's going to be tough for us anyway. But up until the Rockets game last night, we were just pining for you guys like a scorned lover. Uh, just absolute desperation to see the Denver Nuggets. And I'm sure a lot of the same thing is going from Trailblazers fans right now. They're probably watching you guys yeah. on that basis. The Dallas Mavericks. Who knows? Maybe even the, the Timberwolves and the Kings are still clinging to whatever playoff uh hopes they have left but it's all nuggets all the time in new orleans right now you guys are on the tip of every uh, pelican basketball fans
1: tongue right now um (laughs) how does that make (laughs) sense? um yeah well hey we appreciate the publicity (laughs) because you know Not to throw shade here, ESPN sure doesn't like to give us any of this. I know, right? Small market. We never got any attention either.
0: The only attention before we picked up Boogie, the best part about Boogie was uh, getting the limelight on us for half a second. But before that, the only attention we ever got was, when is Anthony Davis leaving? In fact, the ringer just, uh, I believe his name's Kevin O'Connor, just dropped an article two days ago, and it said something awful to the tune of uh, players like A.D., don't stay in markets like new orleans that was the title yeah. of his article like come on oh man. yeah <laughs> oh man direct shot to like minnesota and denver and all
1: these teams yeah, who are just trying like, to depress all of us market fans <laughs>
0: Okay, so let's talk rotations. Are you guys going to stick with Plumlee, uh and go big against Boogie and AD, or do you guys, you had great success going small against the Pacers the other night, and you guys check out, uh, Matthew Huff's got an article up live right now on Nuglove, uh talking about the Pacers uh, matchup, about how going small helped you guys win big. Which uh, route do you think you guys take Sunday night?
1: Um, for the Pelicans in particular, I think we go big. I think we throw in Plumley in that starting rotation with Jokic to kind of compensate for, you know, 80s and, you know, DeMarcus Cousins' length and size, Dalbo, you know, I just don't see the small ball lineup working that well against, you know, those two players who, by the way, I think are very underrated as two-way players. You know, we always talk about, you know, the shooting guards and small forwards in this league as the two-way players, like, you know, the Kawhi Leonard, the Clay Thompsons of the world. But people tend to, you know – not realize just how good, you know, DeMarcus Cousins, Anthony Davis, and like the Marcus Salls of the world are on both sides of the floor. So in conclusion, it would not surprise me if we throw in Plumley at that power forward spot with, you know, Jokic starting at that center position.
0: I gotcha. Um so let's see... You guys are going to have the middle clogged with DeMarcus Cousins actually likes, uh, much to our chagrin, he likes staying out by the three-point line. And sometimes he'll take the ball from there and he'll try to dribble, penetrate. How is yeah. Plumley at man-to-man defense taking a big man from the three-point line? Somebody in the mold of like a Ryan Anderson type.
1: Um, I mean, he's, you know, from what I've seen, you know, he's definitely not, you know, the greatest, but, you know, it could be a lot worse, you know, so I'd say probably, you know, about average tier in terms of defending from the perimeter. So, you know, it's going to be a real tough test for him guarding a guy, a talent like, you know, DeMarcus Cousins from that range. So we'll see what happens, you know, Jokic is definitely going to have to, you know, step up defensively to slide in and help if Plumlee gets beat, but, you know, we're we all be all you know we're going to have our work cut out for us you know trying to contain those two star big men for for you guys
0: yeah i'll be honest with you uh there might be some instances where uh, DeMarcus Cousins gets by Plumlee and gets a nice, like, laying off the glass. It's actually pretty fun whenever you watch and it works. But he yep. also tends to dribble the ball off of his foot, off of his knee, lose it in a in a mass of forest trees like that guy in Jokic. So uh, yep. every time you clench your fist when you watch it actually work, just, just wait two minutes later and you'll get a nice turnover and probably a transition three. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah. if you've got Plumlee in the starting lineup, I'm going to give you guys another tip. We always get crucified at the opening stretch of the second quarter because Alvin Gentry is experimenting with all this stuff. He's trying to play Drew Holiday, DeMarcus and AD together to see how that's going to mix going forward. So, at the start of the second quarter, none of those three guys will be in the lineup. You'll you'll be in <laughs> fighting against All-Stars like tim frazier each one more jordan crawford probably dante cunningham and maybe uh alexis agensa or i i don't know that's usually the five-man lineup or maybe even donatas montayunas who who is your like go-to bench unit at the top of the second quarter
1: uh, my go-to bench unit i think for us will be you know it will consist of you know farid chandler chandler is big off the bench whereas along with will barton you know and then We'll bring in Jamal Murray. He's, you know, our rookie that we kind of struck gold with in the draft. And then, you know, Chandler will play, you know, he might. we might see Chandler playing a little bit in that small ball lineup, but we'll see. And then, yeah, but th- those will be my big-time X factors for our second unit.
0: That'll be really exciting for us to watch Murray because uh, a lot of the sports fans in, in New Orleans really want Jamal Murray with that sixth pick and we're frustrated yeah. to Buddy. It ended up working out for us because apparently uh, the Sacramento Kings were obsessed with Buddy Heal, and that ended up landing us the the boogie trade. DeMarcus but, Cousins. Yeah, yeah, I know. Isn't that funny? But um, it'll be fun to watch him. Since we're talking point guards and shooting guards, uh, I wanted to address Jameer Nelson. Uh, he's got to be near 47 years old at this point, but he's playing really well for you guys. He's he's averaging 27 minutes. He's your front man. He's playing ahead of Emmanuel Moutier, is, is this awkward for you guys? You've got this top five pick who can't uh, get in front of this journeyman. What what do you see as the future with Jameer Nelson? Is this, is this your point guard going forward? Or are you surprised that he didn't
1: request a buyout because
0: this is the end?
1: Um, I'm not too surprised he requested a buyout because, you know, he's got that personality that I will admit does kind of fit in with, you know, Denver's, you know, you know mold however i just do not see him he's too old i you know to be you know in long term future plans for us so it would not surprise me if we move on from really actually both he and moody because you know Jamal Murray has just been killing it at the point guard spot you know and if moody and if moody doesn't turn it around real quick you know it would not surprise me if we use him as kind of trade bait for a solid point guard in this summer or even next year come when the season comes but yeah, Nelson. You know, it's definitely a love-hate relationship in Denver with Jameer Nelson, because like you say, he has been playing well lately. However, he has had a couple of boneheaded mistakes for the Nuggets this year that has actually cost him a couple of games. So you know, it's you know, you it's kind of pick your poison with him. You know, it's a, definitely a Doctor Jekyll, old you know, type of thing. And yeah, it's just you know, it's very complicated with Jameer Nelson. Let's just put it at that. Okay. So do you think there's a chance you guys
0: trade Moutier in the off season?
1: Absolutely. You know, if we get a good deal, you know, that we just can't pass up, you know, it would not surprise me to see e Colony pull the trigger on that deal.
0: Well, I'll tell you, if we lose Drew Holiday, uh, I'll give you guys a call later in the off season. Uh, but since you mentioned Jamal Murray at the point, that was something I really wanted to ask you about partly because I want to know how it's going. I did some quick basketball uh, reference uh basketballreference.com and it said he was averaging 3.2 assists and two and a half turnovers per 36 minutes right now that's that's not really good um how how is he playing is it is just like an experimentation where um it takes point guards in the NBA a long time to realize their potential right you think that's what's happening here or do you think he's actually a natural shooting guard
1: I think it's just you know kind of some rookie you know Ups and downs. I think, like you said, it takes point guards a long time, you know, to develop to their potential in the NBA. I mean, look at, you know, how long it took Steph Curry to finally reach his peak. You know, he was drafted at, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, somewhere around like 2008, you know, 2009. And he didn't really make his mark until like, you know, around the 2012, 2013 season, which was when he killed my nuggets in the playoffs and kind of forced us into rebuild mode after that first round exit. <laughs> But, yeah, you know, Murray is just so talented. He's got such a wet jumper, you know. I mean, he can you can play him at the shooting guard spot if you want, but, you know, he's got the potential to become, you know, a really solid point guard in this league, in my opinion.
0: That's really upsetting to me uh, for multiple reasons. One, because <laughs> we have three games left against you guys this season. But also, I am in love with your shooting guards. You've got Will Barton is probably the likeliest candidate to go. But, honestly, if yep. you're moving Murray over to point guard – I'm, I'm looking at this gluttonous rotation of four shooting guards, Will Barton, uh, Jamal Murray, Malik Beasley, and Gary Harris, and I thought one of them has to go. But if Jamal Murray can play point, you might be able to keep all those guys. And the reason that I oh, asked yeah. was I actually wrote an article about Malik Beasley before the draft. He was initially slated to go late in the, sec- late in the first, rather. and I was like, some, some team is going to strike gold with this kid. And yeah. he's only played 90 minutes this year. Is that right?
1: Yeah, trust me, it's very upsetting for us and Hualuar fans because you know he is a great kid. Yeah,
0: and he looks like he's he's the prototypical like three and D wing player, and and he has like yep. the willingness to play defense. He looks like he's going to be like a really solid, like maybe like a Wesley Matthews type. I don't know what you guys think of him, but I was really hoping you were going to say that you had forgotten about him and that you were willing to let him <laughs> go for you know fifty
1: cents on the dollar or something. Oh, no. Trust me. He, he actually retweets some of our articles once in a while. So trust me, we love him and, you know, we, we recognize the potential he has. And the analogy you just brought up with Les Matthews, I think, is perfect. You know, I just wish we would, you know, Malone would give him more minutes, especially like, you know, in blowout games. when You know, when it's like, OK, why are the starters still in? Let's give the young guys some. Minutes so they can grow and develop, you know. But yeah, because we've sent him to the D League, I think like three, four, or five times this year. Oh, that's so, so frustrating
0: for a top. 15. Uh, yeah. Oh man, I, I can I I can believe that you guys really want to see him. Um, that's that's really frustrating. He's probably going to be such a great player, but. Honestly, what's probably going to happen this year, I think you guys have one year and three million left on Will Barton. The Pelicans have a trade exception and we talk about Will Barton all the time and uh, how great he would fit in our lineup. So in the offseason, if you got to cut one of those guys loose, you know who you can call, right?
1: Yeah. Oh yeah.
0: Trust me. <laughs> okay. Let's talk about Boogie and AD Uh they're, They've just established a five and four pick and roll that has led to a couple of spectacular dunks. So I want to ask about your, your Arthur Plumlee Jokic rotation. How are these guys on defense specifically uh, DeMarcus likes to post up and Anthony's got this mid-range jumper. That's really been working lately. Right. Which Which guy do you think mostly bodies up on the other guy and how do you think they fare?
1: Um, are you, are you? Before I answer, that, are you talking about for the game tomorrow or just in general?
0: I would say in general. Um, I'm I'm anticipating the Nuggets probably. You're so far ahead of us. No, you guys need to win this to stay ahead of Portland. So honestly, Mike Malone's going to go with uh, whoever he thinks is going to match up best with these guys. Yeah. Um, so who do you think that is?
1: I think. I think we're going to see Jokic mainly match up with Davis because in the couple games that we lost to Sacramento this season, actually, or at least one of them that I remember right, DeMarcus Cousins actually just straight up killed the Jokic. So I think, you know, and either one is going to be a tough matchup for him. But I think as a result, Malone's going to remember that. and He's going to put Jokic on Davis, kind of ease his burden, because he's already got enough of an offensive load to worry about, you know, to carry our team. And then we'll see Plumlee, you know, Mainly, you know, just be asked to just try, at least try to contain Davis, or I mean, Dave, not Davis, uh, Cousins, because, you know, when you have a talent like those two, I mean, you can't, you're not going to shut them down, let's be honest. You can only hope to contain them and hold them a little bit below their averages. So that's what I would anticipate for not just the game tomorrow, but for the rest of the way in our upcoming matchups as well.
0: And just as a as a Nuggets fan, I want to tell you, you don't have to worry about Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins getting theirs because they will. Since the All-Star break, Anthony Davis is uh, averaging somewhere around his season, average 27. And DeMarcus yep. is a little bit down, but he's still got 23. He had 41 against yeah. the Rockets the other night. But where, yeah, where you got get up on us is uh, with all your role players, most of the time our role players probably uh, in our eight-man starting lineup, the other six guys combined – probably are averaging around 20 to 30 points. It's really been dreadful to watch anyone not name Anthony Davis and DeMarcus Cousins. Even Drew Holiday has been shooting, I think, like 25% from three since the All-Star break. He's the most concerning part of all that. I'm going to ask you about Drew Holiday later, but first I wanted to touch back to what we were talking about earlier, just about Jokic being your franchise cornerstone you guys are going to build around him going forward. He is your future. Um, He's yep. the face of your franchise. But I also want you to take a moment, step back, and think like maybe times were better when you had this like pretty good to great team versus now you have all this pressure. You take a look at the what the Pacers have to deal with with Paul George, the Bulls with Jimmy Butler, the Pelicans with, with yep. Anthony Davis. You guys could have a very different look going forward with some of your free agents we discussed like Gallo. Talk about your plans for the offseason. How would you, Matthew Huff, build around Jokic?
1: So the, so if I were the Nuggets GM for this summer, the one player I am definitely setting my sights on, and you know, I'm probably going to get crucified for saying this because people are saying he's on the wrong side of 30. But to be honest, the one player I really want is Paul Millsap from Atlanta because Denver is really missing that solid four to kind of pair with Nikola Jokic down in the post. And if you can get, you know, a player who actually fits, in my opinion, Denver's mold perfectly, like a Paul Millsap so to pair with Jokic, then, you know, I think it cap holds us, you know, from, you know, a possible eight seed to at the very least a six or five seed in the Western Conference. Because, I mean, this is such a point guard dominated league nowadays, you know, teams like, you know, to see teams like the Pelicans, to be honest, and the Grizzlies have dominant, you know, a dominant tandem of big men is so rare. That people, you know, tend to forget, you know, how effective they can be, and you know that they have to still game plan for them. So if Denver can get, you know, you know Paul Millsap or hey, even like a sack Randolph to pair with Jokic down in the post, then you know I think the sky is the limit for this team. To be honest, I know that's me being an optimist, but you know. I mean, we've already, you know, surprised a lot of people this year. A lot of people said we weren't even going to be better than, you know, the Los Angeles Lakers, and we've clearly proven those people wrong at this point. So, you know, and then my second, you know, option for a free agent will be a solid point guard. I know I said Murray is going to be probably our future point guard, especially if Moody can't turn it around, but point guard is definitely one of our weak links right now. And if we can, you know, find a way to trade for like, you know, even like an Eric Bledsoe from Phoenix or, man, even Kyle Lowry would be a welcome addition as well. That's what my plan would be as a GM.
0: I am so impressed, not only with your response, but do you listen to the Dunk Don podcast with Nate Duncan and Danny
1: LaRue? I don't, actually. I've never heard of it. You'll have to let me they- know the details on that.
0: They have this, they're basically like stat geeks, They or salary cap geeks, I should say. They they know the salary cap and the collective bargaining agreement. Nate Duncan used to be a lawyer, so he's really good at statistics. They're not like the yeah. most electric of personalities, but they really know their facts, and they're really smart about basketball. And uh, my, my favorite show that they do, at the mid-season point and during the summer, they bring on four well-respected writers and they each take ownership of eight different teams, and they do fake trades, like, at the trade deadline. And two of the trades that they had during the trade deadline was they ended up giving Moutier and uh, Salary cap filler for Goran Dragic, and then they ended up giving a lot of their uh, young players and some of their picks for Paul Millsap. They basically, like, gave up, like, the glut of their team – with the exception (laughs) of Gary Harris, and and they got back Paul Millsap and Goran Dragic, and that's exactly like what it
1: sounds like you're describing. Yeah, because, you know, I'll admit, you know, Gary Harris is actually my favorite player on the Nuggets, you know. So I think he, Murray, and Jokic are untouchable, but, you know, and I love, you know, my team. But if we have the opportunity to go after a Paul Millsap, or like you said, a Goran Dragic, like those guys said, you know, I mean, we have to take that chance because, you know, in the NBA, it's like you have such a small window to be contenders. It's like you have to pounce on every opportunity you get, in my opinion.
0: Yeah, the Raptors showed us that this year at the trade deadline also. Yep. All right. Uh, left in the regular season. I would love to say the Pelicans are involved, but the fact is it's probably just a, a wishful thought. The Blazers, however, are only a game and a half behind you guys now, I want to take a second to go through the schedule. I know this will be tedious, but let's count how many wins left in the Trailblazer schedule. We've got
1: the Timberwolves. You think that's a win? I'm going to say a loss, actually. I think Carl right. Anthony Towns will go off. Okay, okay. So, no
0: wins yet. The Lakers, the day after that, in a back-to-back?
1: Oh, yeah, they beat L.A. Okay.
0: The Nuggets, and that one's at home in Portland.
1: Uh, oh, that's a tough one. The realist in me says they'll win, but as a Nuggets fan, I'm going to go say the Nuggets are going to win that one. You think the Nuggets are going to win that
0: Oh, Okay. Um, yes. And then the Trailblazers have the Rockets at home. Do you think that's a win?
1: No, I think Dreams Harden goes off.
0: Okay, then they've got the Suns the next night. They're definitely going to win that one. The Suns, even with yeah. Devin Booker going for 70 points, they have no interest in winning. Um, yeah. Okay. Then they go at Minnesota. Do you think they lose both of those? I'm going to say they win that one. Okay. Then the Jazz at Utah. What do you think about that one? I think the Jazz take that. And then they go Timberwolves at home again two days after that.
1: Mm, I'm going to say Minnesota steals that one. Wow. That would be devastating.
0: Uh, Okay. And then they have the Jazz at home two days after that. Do you think that's a win or a loss?
1: Oh, man. Um, I'm going to say they win that one by one point.
0: And then they have the Spurs, who may be resting everybody at that point, and the Pelicans. What do you think about those two games?
1: I think the Spurs will still win because Greg Popovich is just a genius, even with role players. And I'm going to say the Pelicans are going to, you know, want to go out on a high note, and I think they're going to take that out over Portland.
0: Really? Oh, my goodness, Matthew. It's sounding like you think your Nuggets are going to make the playoffs. Okay, let's do the Nuggets. We've got the Pelicans at home in Denver. Win or
1: loss? Uh, You're going to kill me, but I'm going to say Denver by three.
0: Okay, well, at least it's a competitive uh, affair. And then you already said the Trailblazers are going to lose to the Nuggets. Then the Nuggets are at Charlotte.
1: Um, We're going to want revenge from the first time they beat us this season, so I'm going to say a close win for us. And then you're at the Heat two days after that? I'm going to give that one to the Heat. We just we didn't seem to match up well with them in their, in the prior matchup this season. Okay, then we've got at New Orleans. I'll give that one to UEI since you have the home court advantage. Oh, it's getting tight. You've
0: got five games left, and you need to win two of them at the Rockets. Yep.
1: I'm going to give that to us. Trust me, we're very scorned after those two close games, especially after giving up that game laying layup to Harden. Okay, so you're saying you're going to win that one? Yep.
0: Okay, and then you've got home at the Pelicans. I'm going to give that to Denver. Okay, congratulations, Matt. The Denver Nuggets are the eighth seed in the 2017 Western Conference playoffs. Sweet. Nice. All right, let's get I to that. I hope the... that's how it turns out, at least. <laughs> we'll see. Those those Timberwolves losses, those uh, two games against the Wolves, if that does end up happening, that's going to destroy uh, Blazer Nation. But let's, yeah. let's talk about, selfishly, let's talk about my Pels for a little bit. Our big question okay. mark hanging over is Drew Holiday. What do you think of Holiday? Do you think the Pels will be making a— st- a mistake when they inevitably probably give him a five year max of something ridiculous to the tune of like a hundred and forty million dollars.
1: Um, you're probably gonna be surprised, but I think Drew Holiday is one of the most underrated guards in the league. I mean, if you watch him play, you can just tell the guy is like insanely athletic. You know, it depends on the contract. You know, I do think you should give him you know 5 years cuz I do think he is an integral integral part that you guys do need on your team especially since your guy's perimeter is a little thin it seems like you know as long as you the contract is reasonable I do think you do need to give you know keep holiday I think he's going to be a lot more important than many fans think
0: yeah he's been the biggest question mark for uh, for us because Bleacher Report had him uh, the best rated defensive point guard but on offense uh, especially since we've gotten boogie he's only been shooting i think 39 percent from the field he's been turnover prone he's been averaging six turnovers a game as the primary ball handler but in the past five games gentry's been starting and playing tim frazier our backup point guard a lot Mm -hmm. more and while tim frazier doesn't uh contribute a lot of points. He's very steady. He doesn't turn the ball over. So it's almost like Gentry is sort of uh moving Drew Holiday to like a combo guard, shooting guard type responsibility. And so we're wondering if he's going to keep shooting as poorly as he is. He doesn't draw a lot of contact free throws, but he does play great defense. Is that somebody who's worth 25 to 30 million a year and plus once we give him that, we we don't have a lot of options going forward. We just have a mid-level exception that we can offer. Right a trade exception and a biannual exception. So once we bring him back, our hands are are virtually tied and we're already pretty thin. Yeah. We do have a lot of picks going forward. Anyway, that's enough about us. Let's talk about Boogie. Um, in the short time, he's been a Pelican. He's had two technical fouls, a lot of whining to the referees, actually in hilarious fashion when we uh, beat the Grizzlies <laughs> the other night. He uh, thanked the referees in his post-game presser. Did you see that at all? No, I didn't. It was pretty funny. He's a great interview actually. He he had a great interview last night about Ryan Anderson too. Uh it, he was basically calling him a wimp, saying he didn't believe in that type of basketball and how he's flailing. <laughs> and I, I I don't have the I have the exact quote in here somewhere. Maybe I'll find it later, but it was pretty funny. Anyway, he's averaging 23 uh and 12 rebounds. He's a great passer. He is turnover prone. What's your take yeah. on like Boogie Cousins as a player? Do you think it works with the Pelicans going forward next year? And like where would you put him like as far as the NBA,
1: like top twenty, top
0: ten player?
1: Um, oh, you know, for a top twenty or top ten, I'm gonna kinda of make my own answer. I'm gonna to say top fifteen at the very least. I mean the dude is still averaging a true shooting percentage this year of fifty five point eight percent, even with him getting traded, then that's kind of you know, when ever since the trade, some of his other advanced analytics have kind of gone down a bit, which is to be you know, expected with him having to share the responsibility with Davis. But, um, you know, it's hard to say whether he fits into New Orleans long term plan, in my opinion, because I, you, you know, we have you guys have such a small sample size this year. You know, when you get traded at the trade deadline, you know, that's only what like you know three months before the playoffs start. So right? you I think you need to give it at least one more year. And, you know, if he does great and they form this great tandem where they actually, you know, make a push for like, you know, the eighth seed in the Western conference, then yeah, I say keep cousins in, ter- in your long-term plans. But, you know, if it just ends up like, you know, a flop, you know, you guys are still where you're at this season or something like that, then I think you need to consider maybe letting him go or trying to use him as trade bait to lure some quality role players in that to kind of, Help out Anthony Davis and see if they, you guys can make a run at the playoffs. It's difficult because it's been
0: working lately. We won five of seven. Five of seven, like I said, against pretty good teams right. like the, the Grizzlies and the Rockets, and the uh, we lost narrowly to the Heat, but we beat the Hornets. Um, some good teams. The the puzzling, the frustrating thing is these two players should play very like they're an optimal match for each other uh you yeah. can pace the floor you can handle the ball boogie loves to post ad wants to play with a big man and what better big man to pair with him than one who still spaces the floor leaving room for anthony davis to operate down there like it should work so uh i've got my fingers crossed but uh there there might be a circumstance where if we lose drew holiday this summer they end up doing like a, a max extension similar if if he makes the all NBA team, I should say, similar to the structure that Russell Westbrook got from Oklahoma. So that that would make Pelicans fans a lot more confident going forward. Okay, Matthew, I got one more question left, and then we can wrap this or uh we can we oh. can turn the tables and you can take over control. You still take okay. Anthony Davis over Jokic, right?
1: Um, as of this year, yes. However, that might change in the near future. <laughs> Ugh, don't break my heart. At least I've got it for now. I've got it for the the
0: remaining ten yeah. games of the season. Okay, that's all. We have. In New Orleans, we love Anthony Davis. I don't know if you love our, oh, yeah. if you love John Elway or Peyton Manning the way that we love Anthony oh. Davis. We Anthony Davis and Drew Brees. We have statues of them sitting in our hearts in New Orleans.
1: Oh yeah, trust me, Peyton Manning and John Alley are just pure icons in Denver. (laughs) Yeah, I can imagine how you guys feel about Anthony Davis and I can just I can't imagine how brokenhearted you guys will feel if he does end up leaving. But. I don't even want to talk about it, man. At least yeah. for Breeze, we have like that whole
0: shared story about Katrina and about him blowing up out his shoulder, and we were the only place who, who would take him. Anthony Davis, we don't have that at all. He went to Kentucky. He's this golden child. He he might take the Kevin Durant route and I don't know, team up with some other uh, superheroes pretty soon. But we've got him for yeah. now, so we're just appreciating everything. Man... Watching him play last night against the Rockets, I think he had, like, I don't know, six mid-range jumpers in a row. They were so beautiful. It's
1: so spectacular yeah. to
0: watch. I'm sure you guys are experiencing it. I'm sure a
1: couple of them went off the glass, too, because he's very fundamental in that way also. It's really cool. Do you have anything for me, Matt? I'm going to turn the table for you for a moment, and then we're going to wrap this up. Oh, uh, yeah. I have just a couple of questions about the Pelicans. Um, one of them happens to deal with, you know, the DeMarcus Cousins-Anthony Davis tandem. Um one thing I noticed was Anthony Davis's usage percentage has been relatively the same since the All-Star break, so basically since that boogie trade went down. Does that surprise you at all, or do you think, you think that was to be expected?
0: You know, honestly, and I think it did take place in the first game against Houston, we ended up losing 129-99. to um, Anthony Davis, we all anticipated him. Basically, just on the research we had about boogie, we thought he was like this loudmouth Brash. Uh, we've heard these reports yeah. about him, like demeaning other players and team meetings and stuff. So we thought he was going to come in and he was going to try to take the control. This is my team. Uh, you guys follow suit. And we thought Anthony Davis, being like the quiet, timid guy that he is, was going to take a back seat. And it happened to an extent in the first game where both players kind of weren't taking shots; they were just passing the ball back and forth. But man. Yeah. I think we uh, as basketball fans are even more impressed with Anthony Davis than we were before, because not only has he not shrunk away from having another superstar on the team, but it's almost as if he's playing better. He's putting up the exact same numbers that he was. He's even more efficient. Uh, It seems that the two of these guys really like each other. I went to a game and I was lucky enough to get courtside seats from a friend of a friend. And I saw the guys just carrying around playing pranks on each other before the game. Anthony Davis is completely at ease right now and uh, playing just as well as he was before DeMarcus. The one thing that I will say is when DeMarcus is on the court, the offense kind of uh, struggles a little bit. Now, in the past week, it's been better. But the first, I think it was eight games, the offensive rating dropped 10 points with Boogie on the floor and raised 10 points with Boogie off the floor. With Boogie out of the game... We ended up winning our first four games of the Boogie era. Two because he had to leave early with foul trouble, and two because he was suspended because of the technicals. So the Pelicans are hmm. still playing better without Boogie in the lineup. But Anthony Davis is fine either way.
1: Yeah, that that's interesting. You brought up the you know the ratings because I noticed with Demarcus Cousins, um, advanced stats. You know, it's particularly his his offensive rating and. You know, he has a net rating on the year of negative 2.7, which, let's be honest, isn't exactly stellar. And he has obviously a little lower usage percentage since the trade. Does, do any of those facts concern you at all, or do you think those will kind of be worked out in due time? You know, I was really nervous.
0: The first game the Kings played, I couldn't tell you who it was against, but they had this monumental victory where Willie Cauley-Stein had, like, his career high, he had, like, 27 points, like, 15 rebounds or something, and we all clutched our breasts, and we thought, oh, my God, maybe it's the system, maybe Willie Cauley-Stein is just as good as DeMarcus Cousins, what have we done? I remember
1: Uh, that because it was against Denver, actually. Oh, my goodness, that's funny. Yeah, (laughs) yeah. But right after we were that, talking up that W already, and we were surprised.
0: Oh, you guys were, were just making fun of us. You did that on purpose. You're like, take that, Pelicans yeah. fans. But uh, right after that, the Kings went on an eight game slide. So I do think they figure it out. the The main problem has been Drew Holiday's turnovers, Demarcus Cousins turnovers. Demarcus is only averaging I think 31 or 30, 32 minutes a game for us because he's in consistent uh-huh. foul trouble. Um, he'll probably pick up two fouls in the first. And then he'll pout and he'll whine and he'll get some of the other players to whine with him. The Pelicans don't whine to referees ever. But whenever Boogie's in the lineup, you'll see all four guys talking to the referee. And he'll he'll typically pick up his third at some point in the second. And he typically picks up his fifth somewhere early in the fourth to the mid of the fourth. And then he always finishes the game with four or five fouls. It's It's been a problem. And that's made him... Um, a little bit more suggestive uh, on, on in the paint on defense. He's a little bit less likely to to give contact to these players because he's afraid of getting fouls. Um, he bullies his way in the paint on offense, and he throws the ball up, hoping that he's going to get a foul. Much in the same way that James Harden does. James Harden is just a little bit better. Basically, he has yeah. like all the talent. And you get to see it, but then he does like these bewildering things that you can only chalk up to like frustration. Ryan Anderson had a quote, I wrote it in here somewhere, but it was basically like, I was tasked with annoying the heck out of Boogie Cousins before the game, because we know, we have data, we have proof that if you get in his skin, he will not play up to his potential, and he's got all the the resources in the world to be, like you said, a top 15 player, so... This this negative yeah. rating that he has is just this other annoying stuff. It's the, it's the fouls. It's the throwing the ball up in the midair thinking you're going to get a foul. It's when he gets frustrated, and then the five Nuggets run down the floor, and the Pelicans are playing four-on-five defense, much like a, like a hockey power play for probably about five yeah. seconds. And if the Nuggets can take advantage of that, if they swing the ball around and find a guy open on the perimeter – Every team that plays against us gets at least six to ten points out of that, out of Boogie running back to get on defense while they're whipping the ball around. So stuff like that, I feel like once he gets in better shape and once he just, like, calms down and, like, becomes a mature young man, I I think that rating's got to be an aberration. Plus, the Pelicans stink, man. I mean, we've got our big three, (laughs) and then we've got... You know, Solomon Hill, who shows up sometimes. Etuan Moore, who shows up sometimes. Jordan Crawford is now, like, our fourth best offensive player, and he hadn't played basketball <laughs> in three years. So yeah. I have to think um, we, we've we got some targets in mind for the offseason, like some Justin yeah. Holliday, some Patty Mills. If we're able to bring some of these players in, I think that really helps that rating going forward.
1: Yeah. Uh, one last question. Um, I saw a crazy statistic about Denver today, and we're one of only three teams in the NBA to have scored. I think it was something like you know more than eighty thousand points on the season or something. The other two were Houston and Golden State. With that in mind, how are you guys are going to, going to game plan for to shut down our offensive firepower? Is there a particular player you guys are going to focus on shutting down, or what? going to be the story there
0: i don't think there's any plan to shut down anybody on your roster we're simply (laughs) just gonna try to outscore you (laughs)
1: Uh,
0: honestly in the past two weeks when we've been playing really well out of these five uh wins we've had on the season we were 21st in the nba with like 101 points per game which is pretty bad but in the past uh i want to say three weeks with the exception of a win against Portland, when we scored 100 only, but we won by 23, Portland only scored uh, 77. We've scored yeah. at least 112 Thanks points, for that, by the way. <laughs> yeah, so we've been playing a lot of offense as well. So our our primary, I'll put in quotations, shut down defender <laughs> is Solomon yeah. Hill. He's a guy we absurd, obscenely paid over the offseason, four years and 48 million. Um, yeah. whoever you see Solomon Hill on in the game is is the player that the Pelicans are trying to to lock down. In all likelihood, I'm going to think if you guys uh, start Gallo, that's probably going to be the guy that he chases around and tries to cut down on those three pointers. Although. If Jameer Nelson starts cooking, whoever you see uh, Solomon Hill go towards, that's the guy we have the primary concern on. But I I think they're going to let Boogie and AD go toe-to-toe on Jokic. I don't know how much help they're going to send towards those guys because we don't have any defense in Tim Frazier, who's going to be our starting point guard. uh, He's a turnstile. Drew Holiday is is a great defender, but they're going to charge him with – with either locking down Jameer Nelson and trying to disrupt your offense, or whoever you're starting right. shooting shoot, if it's Gary Harris, they're going to put Drew Holiday on whoever they think is the more dangerous of those two, and they're going to put Tim Frazier probably on Jameer Nelson, I would assume. Um, and then, like, Solomon Hill is going to probably be matched up with Gallo, and then you're going to have... You know, Plumlee and uh, Jokic going head-to-head and AD and DeMarcus and may the best superstar win um, is probably what yeah. it's going to come down to. But honestly, I would anticipate, I would hope that our starting unit outscores your unit. Typically, since we've had Boogie, I don't have the exact statistic, but we're always leading at the end of the first, even if it's only by three points, and then we get crucified in the second quarter. Teams come out of the second quarter with anywhere from like a 7 to 11-0 run, so once you guys insert Wilson Chandler and Jamal Murray, like, expect to just go off and eat up our bench unit. Um, Yeah. And then AD and Boogie are probably going to play uh most of the second half and we're going to be playing catch up i can probably safely say and then it's just going to be how are boogie and ad doing that night and is drew turning the ball over and if they're all cook all three of them cooking that's what it's going to take then that it might be a win but i wouldn't anticipate the nuggets scoring any less than 105 points we're just going to have to outpace them
1: yeah well i think that's all i have for questions for you then that was awesome, Matt. Did you have fun? I, I did. I enjoyed it. This is my first podcast ever, so I, I was glad I got to be a part of this experience. Well, you seem pretty comfortable, and I really appreciate it because uh, the
0: Pelican Debrief podcast has been here for, I don't know, two to three years. We had previous editors, Nathan Heck and uh, Brendan Clean. Who have since moved on Brendan is one of the primary writers for Bourbon Street Shots Which is one of the more popular uh, sites in New Orleans So since those guys moved on I've just taken the reins This is probably my 10th or 11th episode So I'm experimenting much in the same way That you are right now So it was a great pleasure (laughs) having you And uh, I hope I did okay as your host And steered you in the right directions
1: Oh absolutely Yeah you were great (laughs) I, like Thanks, made me feel a lot more comfortable. Like I was not gonna lie, I was kind of nervous coming in, and then you know, you took took over, and I was like, okay, I, you know.